This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. On today's show, we take a trip down memory lane, back to simpler times, short episodes, hardly any listeners, and let's be honest, us just pretending we knew what we were doing. Well, Ian wants another crack at it. So today, we begin a new and improved series on Heaven's Gate. We'll meet Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles, discuss their relationship, the formation of their ideals, and how they slowly manage to gain followers. If you feel like you've heard this one before, you have, but this time, it'll be good. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you've always dreamed about hitching a ride on the Hale-Bopp Comet, stick around. We'll be selling one-way non-refundable tickets at Necronomapod.com. Patrons receive 10 cents off. This is Necronomapod. Spacecrafts that are so large you can't even see the outer extremities of them. They would look like something larger than a planet. We will go definitely on board a craft to leave when the spading occurs. You can say, well, what's the difference? Well, the difference is we don't know if we're going to take these flesh bodies on board that craft or if we'll leave these flesh bodies behind. We don't believe that our Father's kingdom has much need for these flesh bodies, but it's possible that a spacecraft will come down and we'll walk on board that craft and they'll take these bodies from us and issue us the ones that belong to that level so that we might begin service. Well, we plan to cover Heaven's Gate tonight, start a series on them, kind of revisiting that. But I think based on popular demand, I'm going to call an audible and we're just going to talk about our favorite hip hop albums for an entire episode. Really? Because <laughs> that's fucking the only thing people are talking about from last week. <laughs> Have you reconsidered your ridiculous choices or where where you think you're going to go with this? First of all, I stand by those choices. Those are three fantastic albums that stand the test of time. Okay. Second of all, of course, it was a trolling list. Third of all, I didn't like the responses it got, so I'm not going to give my actual list. People don't deserve to hear hmm. it. Interesting. I don't know that people understood it was trolling because I heard from someone that loved Ian and my and my list, and they indicated that you deserved a beating for your, your list. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so outraged them that they want you to be beaten in the gutter oh. for your bad, bad taste in hip hop. Well, in the words of my close personal friend, George W. Bush, mission accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) My close personal friend. (laughs) I hang out with him every Tuesday. We play Euchre together. (laughs) Euchre. Yeah. And we drink Bush lattes. (laughs) Um, People really had a lot to say about that shit. They they love their hip hop talk. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's the best. Well, it used to be, Dave. It used to be. I mean, I preface my list with a disclaimer that said I'm not qualified to make this judgment call, but nonetheless, I will give you the answer you requested. I think the only one of us who is actually qualified to make that list is myself. And I spoke definitively 
with the, you know, the official answer of Necronomapod mm. being that Big Willie Style by Will Smith is the greatest hip hop album of all time. That's the official stance of Necronomapod, is I it not? don't believe that that is accurate. No, no. Okay. All right. I misunderstood then. I misunderstood. <laughs> I cannot stand behind that uh, ridiculous statement. Do you think people even listen to Ian's lift after after he started with number one? They probably just <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, fuck. OK, I'm done. So, yeah, they, they really got into that last week. We'll have to do that again. Maybe next week we'll do like our, our, our top three uh, classical composers. That sounds great to me. Dive into that. Absolutely. Uh, Can't wait for that. Fucking troll me on that one. Maybe top three metal albums. Maybe there top we go. three, you know, whatever. Easy listening adult contemporary albums. Oh, I'm all in. See? Of course. Greatest metal albums. Yeah, we had a lot of metal fan mm. fans out there. It's a tough one. They'll have some things to say about that. Obviously, it's Bon Jovi is the greatest metal band of all time. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Bon jo- I mean, off the top of my head, Bon Jovi, Twisted Sister, and Nickelback are the three greatest oh, metal bands okay. of all time. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you can't headbang to that, you can't headbang. Like, you don't deserve to be in a mosh pit. Twisted Sister was a good rock and roll band, and they got unfairly lumped into hair metal. Dave, they were a legitimate. They're a great metal band. They were a great band, Twisted Sister. I think all three bands I named are pretty phenomenal. Don't think that's accurate. First ballot Hall of Famers, the lot of them. (laughs) Runner up, Hootie and the Blowfish. Love some Hootie and the Blowfish. If, if you've never been in a mosh pit at Hootie and the Blowfish, you have not lived. You have not lived till you punched a suburban white guy in the face who drove up in his Range Rover. It's fucking how you mosh. All right, so that's so. Come back next week. There's maybe some of that. Dave Matthews band's probably pretty uh, pretty rowdy too, right? The mosh pit. Well, you know. Ugh, fucking worst music ever. Dave, you're a Dave hater. Ugh. We never really discussed that. It's awful. It's I'm, awful. I, I, I'm kind of an in between on them. They have a few songs that I'm like, that's okay, but I'm not a lover. It's, is it? Do you really think Dave Matthews is awful or is it their fans that are just the most obnoxious people in the world? I think it's both. The <laughs> music's terrible <laughs> and the most obnoxious fans <laughs> in the world. Uh, correct, Amondo. Yes. <laughs> Would you rather have an afternoon picnic? With a group of Dave Matthews fans or a group of Juggalos? <laughs> juggalos. That'd be a good time. Yeah, I would, I would pick the Juggalos. Yeah, hands juggalos. Down, of course. <laughs> That'd be a great time. So much Fago to be had. Maybe our, our guy Superhuman would show up. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> That's a good fucking day at the picnic, man. I think we've referenced him a couple times. Superhuman? Now. Yeah. Would plug his account, but there's like 700 numbers in that. I don't remember what it is. Superhuman something on Instagram. Yeah. He does his back. There's like two wrestling. M's in it or something. <laughs> something weird. <laughs> this is for all you juggalos and juggalettes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this shit. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Check that guy out. Can we post a link to that guy? We should share that with everyone, right? Probably. It's I mean, fantastic. he should be sharing us. He's got a lot more followers than we do. Right, I mean, his video of, that of him guy. jumping. His video of him doing the elbow drop on that mini fridge has like a million point eight, a million point eight views. That's man. crazy. We got to send him a necro shirt. Maybe he'll wear a necro shirt for one of them. 
He always wears ICP shirts. Right. Can we put the clown, the wicked clowns on a shirt? I don't know. Could we? I mean, we can we can loosely use their trademark, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's interpretation. It absolutely is. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough. That was a little bit off. This is what happens when I don't have notes to open the show and something to talk about. <laughs> we kind of go down a path and talk about fucking Hootie and the Blowfish and Twisted Sister and Bon Jovi, Dave's favorite band. Underrated band, Twisted Sister. Ian, what are we talking about today? I can't remember. Tonight we are going to do our first redo and do Heaven's Gate. We're going to redo this one mainly because of the research. Heaven's Gate was our ninth episode, and since then I've gotten way better with research and outlines. I went back and read the old outline for this, and I clearly didn't know what the fuck I was doing. (coughs) It it was nine pages for the whole story of Heaven's Gate. (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck was I even doing with this? You mean when the the top of the notes still had the the URL for (laughs) wikipedia.com that you sent to Dave and I? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You know, the date of that show was 2-17-19. It's only two years ago. It seems like it was a decade ago. I know, and it'll be another decade yeah. before we get to 500 episodes. This is fantastic. Really? Yeah. Yeah, we were talking to Mike today about his uh, promise to get a... Well, no, you guys are throwing in bullshit rules. Mike promised to get a show tattoo with us on the 500th episode, and I informed him that all Patreon bonus episodes count towards that total. I disagree with that. Well, I don't give a fuck. They do. <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be it, it's got to count in our list of episodes in our timeline on our podcast platforms. I don't think that's accurate. We celebrated our 100th show based on that theory. Hmm. We did not count the Patreon episodes. So I'm just saying, I think I got a, a couple years here until I have to figure something out. Hmm. We'll get your tramp stamp sooner or later, pal. I will get one like Charlie Runkle tramp stamp. That's right. I get that. It's hey, a dolphin. Hail mugs on my tra- <laughs> my lower back. <laughs> So there's a couple more that I want to do uh, for the earlier on ones. Like I was looking through the list earlier and I saw like Rock Terrio and the Ant Hill Kids that called. Oh, that's a good one. Could yeah, That could be a two parter for sure. Did we not do that um, one as two parts? No, it was another real short one. Let me ask, Ian, are we going to be redoing the Casey Anthony series now that Autumn Fragrance has provided all the new information <laughs> that was previously unknown on, on YouTube? Maybe. Maybe we can get her on. Let's just tease it so that Dave and I can still make jokes about that episode. And then we can just keep it going that it's coming again. It's coming again and again and again. Over and and over. Just like my Google search history. So for Heaven's Gate last time around, we didn't get into their day to day. Um, And some of Marshall Applewhite and Bonnie Nettles movements around the country over the years. And we also didn't cover their belief system very thoroughly, like basically at all, for the most part. Some of that is because it's really fucking confusing and it changed a lot over the years that they were active. Oh, a change of belief system in this cult? That's weird. That never happens. Like last time around, we talked we talked about this on Patreon not that long ago, how their website's still very active. Marshall Appleway handed the ownership over the website to two members who had spent 12 now i read 12 years somewhere then dave you sent me a link today that said that they were in it the whole time and they were given the task of keeping it going yeah like way back to the 70s right right so i'm not sure but it's still the same as the last day that they updated it in 1997 they sell the book the vhs tapes um of marshall explaining things the last statements from members 
but they're really secretive and short in responding and selling the materials. It's really shady, or you would think it's really shady when you go to buy something from them. Do they take Bitcoin? Uh, no, you have to mail cash to this P.O. box in Arizona. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that's how we should start selling yeah. our merch. Just mail us cash and then we'll send you something back. You don't even know what we're going to send, but like, I want want merch and then we just send you something. And it just, you get like a sticker that says like, I'm a fucko. They, I mean, I know the P.O. box, but they have a physical location in Phoenix listed on that website. I want like, I wonder what's there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's like this person's house or, or, or what the fuck it is like. 10 or 12 years ago, I was reading their website and I saw the email address. So I decided to send an email and almost immediately I got a response back. And it creeped me the fuck out at the time because at that time I was like, all these people are supposed to be dead. I tried to talk to them. They wouldn't talk. So then a couple years ago, Angie messaged them and bought the book and the VHS tapes for me. And that's she had to send. I think it was like $35 in cash out to this P.O. box. And they were really short with her. And it was kind of like a gamble, like, well, maybe we're going to see it. Maybe we're they're just going to take the fucking money and be done with it. But in preparation for this one, I reached out to them again to see if they would answer some questions. And I expected them to get really weird with me and either be short or refuse to answer questions. But they did answer some. I, I got in, you know, like 15 or so questions. They said they wanted to keep it off record. So... I think we collectively decided not to use direct quotes from them, but it gave me a better understanding of some of the the belief system going into this. Look at this. Ian doing like real journalism. Amazing. Dave, you also, know. this this says a lot about you. Ian's getting answers from a group that's been dead for 25 years. You can't even get a fucking response from Casey Anthony, who loves attention. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you even trying here, Pally? <laughs> Come on, a little effort, please. It's a valid, valid, valid critique, Mike. I appreciate that constructive criticism. Also, Ian borrowed my VCR to watch this these tapes years ago. He refuses to give it back. I do. I still have your VHS player sitting here, and it's going to sell it on eBay. It's killing Dave because it's the VCR is the only way he can still watch his Debbie Does Dallas tape. So with that, let's, let's jump into it. Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. was born on May 17th, 1931 in Spur, Texas to Marshall Applewhite Sr. and Louise Applewhite. And he had three siblings. His father was a Presbyterian minister. And by accounts, Marshall wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. There's really nothing negative to say about Marshall growing up. Nothing out of the ordinary. The family did move around Texas a lot during his childhood, but once high school hit, the family settled down and he graduated from Corpus Christi High School. After high school, Marshall went to Austin College, where he eventually earned a bachelor's degree in philosophy. And by fellow students' accounts, Marshall was well-liked and participated in a lot of extracurricular student activities. Just normal guy. For the time being. Yeah, I was gonna say like I don't know how to respond when there's been like no abuse growing up. Like, yeah, wh- right. what do you? Okay, where did this come from? Yeah, okay. After he graduated from Austin College, Marshall went to Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology with the goal of becoming a minister, like his father. So that's Presbyterian, and in the Catholic, it's called the Seminary, right? I believe that's correct. Dave. Okay, I'm <laughs> Maybe it's just a different pronunciation. (laughs) 
Do they use the seminary with the Jesus crackers to make like a like, like, like a cereal? Like, like a like a like, you like know. a dip? Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Dude, that's you, dip, you dip the Jesus in the seminary. More on that on next month's Bible Babble. We'll cover it. Well, you'll cover something, all right. <laughs> Around this time, Marshall met Ann Pierce, and the two hit it off, and they got married pretty quick and had two children. Marshall always had a love for music, and he was a really good baritone singer. So pretty early in his time at the seminary, he quit to focus on music. The family moved to North Carolina, and Marshall got a job as the music director for a Presbyterian church. In 1954, Marshall was drafted by the Army and served in Austria and New Mexico as a member of the Army Signal Corps. When he was discharged from the military in 1956, the family relocated again, and Marshall enrolled at the University of Colorado, where he earned a master's degree in music with a focus on musical theater. You know, I didn't realize that after the Korean War had ended, they were still actively drafting people. I, mean, I know the draft was in effect until the 70s, but they were still actively doing They were still it, yeah. actively drafting people. I had forgotten that, too, until I read this. Yeah. And then I actually went back and was like, oh, goddamn, they really were. But I, I, I thought it was, as I understood, just for specialty position like stuff like they weren't drafting general infantry right there well, was, he was no he was theater he was singing and entertaining the <laughs> is that what it was? i don't know i don't know <laughs> so i might have to look into it that more i'm a little specialty. confused i would imagine I mean, what are you doing at that time yeah like you're not drafting for uh, a wartime army so right yeah I was a little special confusing. assignments type yeah things. right maybe just picking from the top of the classes and stuff i mean i guess not if you're just doing everybody though you can't look up oh that's yeah. interesting that's a uh, that's Requires further investigation on our part. Stick around as Mike and Dave dive into the Eisenhower years. <laughs> yeah, right. Coming soon to NPR. I mean, he served in Salzburg, Austria, for most from what I read. So what what do we draft the people to serve in Salzburg for? I don't know, but they have great steaks. I love a good Salzburg steak. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> for taste and more, it's encore, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your culinary tongue is nothing if not refined. This is what happens when uh, <laughs> our scheduling or our recording gets delayed a little bit. And then Dave and I are just sitting here drinking bourbon. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> People are like, fuck this. They're supposed to be telling a story. Get us so back on the hail bop comedy. And let's go. After he earned his master's, the family moved to New York City, where Marshall pursued a singing career on Broadway. He was unsuccessful, but... I mean, it's an extremely competitive atmosphere. He's a really, he was a really good singer. It just didn't work out. Marshall then got a job teaching music at the University of Alabama. And again, by all accounts, he was a great teacher and very likable. You know, it's amazing with these guys, like if they would have been successful in their, I don't know, I guess their chosen profession, it would have, you know, altered the outcome of all this. Like Hitler, if he would have been a semi-decent painter, maybe yeah. we, we wouldn't have had the Hitler World War II issues. If this guy would have been, you know, got a good job on Broadway. Well, and to might throw, not have had it. Throw it over to uh, what Ian's been talking about over on Promised Land. Go ahead and check out Promised Land, available on all podcast platforms. Imagine if Jim Jones just stuck to like civil rights, what he could have accomplished. You might be reading about him today in the history books. Yeah. As, yeah. I mean, the things he was doing early on, and he was so charismatic. He was a natural leader. Mm -hmm. You know. He had great ideas for inequality and uh, lots of yeah. other stuff. And did a lot of great stuff until he stopped doing a lot of great stuff. That's it. 
more of that <laughs> educated type information on Promising. <laughs> and I promise Dave and I don't interrupt Ian one time on any of those shows. He's like, he was doing lots of good stuff till he didn't, till he stopped doing lots of good stuff. And that's all I got to say on that. that that's my series on Promising. And then I end it with <laughs> Mr. Muggs. <laughs> See you guys next week. <laughs> this is Mike's take on Jonestown. <laughs> In 1965, Marshall was fired from this job for having a sexual relationship with a male student. I mean, I guess in college, I don't know, like the ethics of having a sexual relationship with a professor is exactly. But the student was of age and a a same sex relationship like that in Alabama in 1965 wasn't going to go over very well. I mean, Alabama in 1965 is a fucking hellscape. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading John Lewis's biography. He grew up in Alabama, and it just I I can't even imagine the stuff that went on in Alabama in the '60s. It's it's just crazy that that was taking place in this country. Yeah, when his wife Anne was made aware of the affair, she left Marshall and took their children with her. And this is going to be the start of something we're going to see throughout this story that Marshall Applewhite was very conflicted over his sexuality plays a big role in this in, in the outcome of the story. Later on in 1965, Marshall moved to Houston, where he got a job as chair of the music department at the University of St. Thomas. Like people sat on him while they were playing or <laughs> this, this guy. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. That means like he headed up to the part. I got gotcha. you. Sorry about that. I, I misinterpreted the word. he also got back into singing being the choir director for an episcopal church and singing with the houston grand opera while living in houston marshall was open about his sexuality with some people he knew but he still tried to publicly date a woman and that relationship didn't work out then abruptly in 1970 Marshall resigned from the University of St. Thomas, citing depression and other emotional problems. The widely accepted reasoning was that he had another sexual relationship with a male student, and the university let him resign instead of firing him and making a public issue out of it. Again, the student would have been of age, but I mean, this wasn't really an accepting time, and I I think in all reality... In some of these areas, it still isn't acceptable from for, for some people. Yeah, I'm sure. And like I said, I don't know what the ethics is on a professor having a relationship with a student. I think there was probably a lot of that going on back then. But I think, you know, the same sex version of that probably going to get a lot more heat. Especially yeah, in that's the, not going to happen yeah, down no there. Doubt. In 1971, Marshall moved to New Mexico, where he owned and ran a small deli restaurant. He was really popular with the community and customers, but abruptly closed it and moved back to Texas. It isn't known if he moved back because of his father's health, but around this time his father died. And Marshall just kind of shut down for a bit. He accumulated a lot of debt and started to have to borrow money from his friends. I get that vibe from that guy. Like He's the kind of guy you would expect to be calling you for money. I don't know. Also, I would love to own a deli. I mean, Dave, you can't eat it all up, though. I fucking love delis, man. <laughs> you got I mean, they're delicious. Oh. Fucking fantastic food. But, you know, you got to make a profit. You can't just sit there eating pastrami. I would have day. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you're just like in like the, the cooler, just like shoving meats into your mouth. Oh, man. <laughs> I would love it. Mm, yeah. Get like a, a good sandwich with like some crispy chips and like a pickle. Mm-mm-mm. Fuck. It's the best. No, I'm hungry. I didn't eat dinner. I didn't eat much either. I'm hungry too. All right. Well, Dave and I are going to go eat. We'll make this a three-parter and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> We're going to door dash. <laughs> We're going to cut this short tonight. <laughs> So, in March of 1972, Marshall met Bonnie Lou Nettles, who, in my opinion, and I know a lot of other people feel this way, was the real cult leader in this story, and Marshall was her first follower. It's not clear how the two of them met. Bonnie worked as a registered nurse in Houston, Texas, and in one version of the story, Marshall checked himself into the hospital, seeking treatment and reversing his sexuality, like gay conversion therapy. Mm. And in another, he checked himself in because he was having a mental break. I personally believe that if he did check himself in, it was an attempt to reverse his sexuality. I think the mental break story is a sensationalized one to come up with this, like a headline answer for what we know happens at the end of the story. Like, of course, this Mm. guy was crazy. So that, that came up after the fact, you mean? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really muddy. It, you know, people, the media tried to figure out, people have tried to figure out how these two met and gotcha. there's different accounts of everything. Right. Mike you used to run a conversion therapy clinic in college, didn't you? Girls would check in and be converted to non-virgins, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was really nervous when you started that. I was like, where the fuck's he going with this? Because this is not savory. But yes, I can, can confirm. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I was 14% effective. I don't, I don't really understand what that means. but It means usually they'd see my wang and they'd be like, no, nah, I'll stay a virgin. <laughs> You're they'd not like, putting that in me. They'd be like, motherfucker, you need some blue chill. And I'd be like, I know. They won't fucking sponsor us. <laughs> what do you want from me? I've been begging for years now. <laughs> That's what I meant by success. Okay, right? Got it. I was confused. Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> According to Marshall's journals, he was visiting the hospital to see a friend and Bonnie was his friend's nurse. But looking back on Marshall's journal entries, people that have had access to them have found them to be largely inaccurate. Who keeps a journal that's not accurate? I mean, talk about lying to yourself. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> like, did you do a dear diary and you just like tell a tale that didn't really happen? <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. Unless you wanted it to be fine, found, find. Unless you wanted it to be fine. Yeah, you like you think it's a long term. Maybe goal? somebody would find it it one day. <laughs> it's really fucking. Maybe weird. you want it to be found. Mm, that's bizarre. I don't know. I've never been able to keep like a journal or a diary. Have you guys ever? No, like, I, I, I really wish I would have. I I had tried at one point. Like oh, I'm gonna write down just like the days yeah, happenings or yeah. something. I couldn't do it. I recommend it to anyone, but no, I never could do that. You know, uh, I don't. I don't know. What are we gonna do? We're gonna try to write our autobiographies one day. Make make it up like Marshall did, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Get a ghostwriter and just let them kind of take right. it over and fluff it up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter thirty six. Mike's still in college, banging women. <laughs> yep, it's my story. This is how I'm telling it, dude. Aren't you forty? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the Van Wilder. I still love freshmen. <laughs> Terry Nettles, Bonnie's daughter, worked at a theater on evening shows and concerts, and the theater included a drama school. She said she knew Marshall from the drama school and worked with him on children's shows. She has said, quote, 
someone got hurt at the drama school in the theater that Herf worked at. Herf being Marshall. That's what everybody called him, like friends that knew him. Which was his middle name. Right. Herf accompanied the injured person to the hospital where he met Bonnie. That's how they met. Now, Marshall had been teaching at that school, and one of Bonnie's sons was going there. But Bonnie's son, Joe Nettles, said he he doesn't know how they met. He has no idea. All right, so I'm sure the daughter is probably the most accurate source here. I yeah, I that's what I would so. go with. That makes sense. Herf, I go by Herf too. That's fucking cool. Is it? I don't know. I don't think so, man. <laughs> no, nah. it's better than Marshall Applewhite. Herf, what's up, Herf? Marshall Applewhite's not awful. I don't like that. It depends what you what you want to do. I guess you want to really the cult. It's a great name. <laughs> herf, Herf. Come on, what's up, Herf? I'm gonna go bang some chicks tonight. Herf, herf. Like the name, like the noise you make when you like pound up soda, and then you, like you burp. You're That's like, all right. <laughs> I don't know. That's just fucking gross. I mean, he was a junior. It must have been his dad's name too. So it was a family name from somewhere. It's interesting. Herf. Well, Herf. I mean, do you have to have the same middle name to be a junior? Yes. Do you? Yeah. I didn't know that. Absolutely. Mm-mm. Interesting. Yeah, they have the same name. Like from beginning to end. Yes. Okay. Rules I, is not, rules, Mike. I'm not challenging. I just <laughs> didn't know that. Rules. I did not know that. <laughs> usually when you hear a junior, though, like the, the middle name is not even associate. Like you don't ever usually hear right. a middle name. Then you're not a junior. Well, maybe it's still the same. I'm just saying you don't he- hear him called that. Well, sure. Robert I Downey guess. Jr. is his middle name the same? It has to be or you're not I'm a not, junior. I'm just saying as an example, <laughs> you hear his first and last name. Right. No one ever talks about them, you know. Well, if my middle name was Herf, I'd fucking hide it, too. But. but I think it can be implied that Robert Downey's junior's middle name is the same as his father. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. He wouldn't be the junior if not. So you may change that middle name and you're no longer a junior, even though you have right. the same first and last name as your father. Why would you name your son the first? I don't know why you, anyone would. Name, I don't though. know why anyone would name their son a junior to begin with. That's just me personally. I'm not a big fan of it. Yeah, I'm not either. I wouldn't like that. Yeah. I don't love it. Like, let everyone just be yourself. Because then, then someone calls you to party. You're like, oh, junior, senior. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> Who wants that shit? No one wants, wants that. that. No one wants that. Nobody headache. wants that. No. <laughs> Ian, you actually wrote a good outline. And then here's Dave and I. Just... <sighs> How did we ever get past nine episodes? Mike, you, you want to pour another whiskey over there? I think your glass uh, is a First little... of all, Pally, I've only had one whiskey oh. to begin with. But actually, now that you mention it, I'll take a little bit if you're offering. Oh, I don't mind if I wouldn't. Everyone love to know what whiskey we're drinking. If only they followed us on social media, they would know. Well, you know, it's a secret. Just yeah, just tap that ass just a little bit. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tap that ass on that. So, so getting into Bonnie a little bit. It's That's really what Marshall to- said. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what, what, his his dad or him? <laughs> oh, you, him. Didn't, you didn't clarify. Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. Mm. Sorry about that for the non-clarification. <laughs> Continue <laughs> on, Ian. Oh, good God. <laughs> We're in trouble this episode. Her life is, it's hard to find anything out about her, really. There's not much out there about her. It's kind of weird that no one has found, like, been able to put down a real detailed timeline of her life. What I could find was that she was born on August 29th, 1927 in Houston, Texas, and that she was born into a Baptist family and pushed back against religion. Oh, good for her. She went to school and became a registered nurse. 
And then in 1949, she married a guy named Joseph Nettles. Together, the two of them had four children, and things seemed to be stable until sometime in 1972. Ian, I have a question. Do you think if you asked the website about her, you would be able to get more information? Or do you think, one, do they not even know, or two, they wouldn't give it if they did? So I did ask them a question about her, which would will make more sense in part two. Ah. And that, my friends, is a teaser. No. I didn't even plan that. No, this is perfect. <laughs> you pulled it off flawlessly. I was legitimately asking a question. Okay. Well, then we'll I was, save it for part two then. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. As I was asking them questions, I was like, like they're only talking about Marshall Applewhite. Like, would we just forget about Bonnie Nettles? Like, fuck her or something? And mm. so I brought her up and... They were still kind of short about her. Mm. So, Did you ask if Bonnie was practiced in the ancient art of fellatio? <laughs> no, I didn't. I believe that's against their <laughs> beliefs, Dave. Oh, well, I might have to ask them this week. I, too, can contact these people. Please don't kill our source. <laughs> <laughs> They're still speaking with us at this point. <laughs> Joseph and Bonnie's marriage began to go south as Bonnie got deep into astrology, theosophy, and the occult. And like, I mean, these beliefs are fine and being into it super cool, in my opinion. But when your partner wants absolutely nothing to do with it, it could maybe cause some issues. And especially if you start going way off the rails with it, like Bonnie did. Well, you think it's awesome, but is it really awesome if your wife's reading your fucking horoscope every day? because She loves astrology. She's like, well, Joe, Capricorns are going to have a <laughs> shitty day, so no need to fucking cook you dinner tonight. Are you a Capricorn? I, I am, yeah. As am I. Ian, are you? Did you make the cut or are you out? No, I'm an Aquarius. Yeah. But you only missed it by a couple days, I think. Yeah. God, can you imagine if we were all Capricorns? Yeah. I don't know what that means, but the three of us is It Capricorns? doesn't fucking mean anything. Well, well you just pissed off half our listeners. <laughs> Ah, look at your horoscope, Joe. Why You're do, getting fucked today. Why no does, breakfast for you. <laughs> why does Dave go Bonnie to astrology like? lady and have like smoker's voice? <laughs> I don't know. I just picture her with like a whiskey coke in her hand with a that's cigarette right. coming that's, out of so it. So do well. I. That's what that's what the voice came from. <laughs> Sitting at her kitchen table, yelling at her family <laughs> with the newspaper astrology section in front of her. <laughs> you should have married a Pisces, Joe. And now she's from Long Island. <laughs> In 1972, Bonnie started to claim that a 19th century monk named Brother Francis spoke to her and gave her instructions in life. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. She also started hosting seances at her house every Wednesday in an attempt to speak to spirits. That same year, Bonnie went to a fortune teller that told her she would soon meet a mysterious man who was tall, with light hair, and a fair complexion. So, however she met Marshall Applewhite, when she met him, it was like, oh shit, here's the this mysterious man that I was supposed to meet. Oh. What, what did Brother Francis tell her to do? I don't really know. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Bonnie. This is a Brother Francis from Sicily. I'm making your husband, Joseph, a pizza pie for a dinner. <laughs> Brother Francis. <laughs> Stop bothering him with the horoscope of bullshit. 
So you think the husband was behind all this? Thing? <laughs> he might have been. He was probably looking the fuck out. He had like a like a microphone in the other room, and he bugged the room. He's like, "Aban, it's a brother Francis. Your husband is a suffering. Why don't you uh, blow him a once in a while?" <laughs> So that's behind. So <laughs> Heaven's Gate is all done by bon- Bonnie Nettles' husband, right? It was all he like perpetuated the whole thing yeah. in, in the other room of their house. You think he po- he may even wrote the horoscopes just to kind of push her more out? Like maybe so. I see you in the other room, uh, <laughs> Bonnie. This is a brother Francis from other beyond. Your husband needs a pizza pie and a fellatio. What are you doing? <laughs> Oh, I hang out with Andre Chicatello. We're friends. My boy, Brother Francis. Oh, we're going to get laid tonight. Give up at the pussy to your husband or Joseph. Oh, they get the sausage tonight. Oh, boy. Okay. Yikes. So <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna be doing a third edition of Heaven's Gate in about a year. We're like, no, this will be the real one. We're gonna get it right this time. We're not gonna fuck up the story and interrupt it. Where you and I, where you and I get replaced because we're in uh, we're in rehab, and uh, the other two people, Ian's got another story. Like, oh yes, Ian, that sounds like a, a great outline. Yeah. Yes. I'm glad Brother Francis was speaking so coherently to Bonnie during this time in her life. So the two of them were inseparable. Marshall said himself that he felt instantly connected to her. And together, the two decided that they had known each other in past lives. After reading Marshall's astrological chart, Bonnie told him that their meeting each other had been foretold to her by aliens and that together they had a quote, divine assignment her daughter terry recalled that it was odd that her mother was spending so much time with marshall but nothing about bonnie's beliefs were odd Uh, terry said that they both felt like they didn't fit into society and she would sit outside with her mother watching for ufos kind of daydreaming about what it would be like to leave earth i can 100 percent see ian sitting out on his front porch Looking for UFOs, daydreaming about what it would be like to leave Earth. What do you mean you can 100% see it? Like, I've done it with him. Like, he makes me go sit outside with him and we look for UFOs. I mean, I just get drunk and sit there. It's an okay time, I guess. It's not bad. In the summertime, I do sit out there super late looking at the sky, smoking cigarettes. It's more fun than when he makes you pet his uh, pet raccoons. Like, <laughs> at least I'm not going to get rabies by looking for UFOs. You're like, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and this raccoon's out and he's foaming at the mouth. Is that normal? Ian's like, oh, no, that's just uh, butters. He comes around every now and then. You know, I scratch his belly. He nibbles on my finger. We're buds. <laughs> Regardless of Terry getting along with her mother in the belief of UFOs in the occult, Bonnie's marriage was already on the rocks because of it, and now she's spending pretty much all of her time with Marshall. Then on New Year's Day, 1973, Bonnie just up and left her husband Joseph and her four children and took off with Marshall. Marshall also had some contact with his children from his previous marriage, but he cut all ties when he left with Bonnie. Joseph Nettles then filed for divorce soon after Bonnie left, and he was awarded full custody of their children. Parents of the year, am I right? Marshall and Bonnie living together was the perfect setup for Marshall. Not only had he found his soulmate, but he wanted absolutely nothing to do with sex anymore, whether it was with a man or a woman. 
he got this loving platonic relationship that he wanted in life. It's not clear if Bonnie wanted more out of it or not, but at least Marshall was getting what he wanted. Together, they opened a bookstore called the Christian Art Center and a side business called the No Place. That's (laughs) K-N-O-W. Where they taught classes on theosophy and mysticism. Both of these businesses were quick failures. And in February of 1973, they went into seclusion and started traveling the country. This is going to be something that we see a lot in this story where they do this self-isolation thing and become very nomadic. Since they had no money, the two worked odd jobs and donated blood. And a lot of times they just straight up didn't pay for hotel rooms. How do you do that? I'd be interested in uh, learning that trick. Uh, Not paying for a hotel room? Dip out. How can you get a hotel room without paying first? I've never heard of that. No one gives you a hotel room. I don't know. I don't know if back then, like, I mean, did you have to leave a credit card back then? Like, was it just like, you know, paid in cash? Like, you know, but I don't know if you can just dip out like that. Like, is it, is it, was it back then like the honor system almost? Like, were you, (laughs) I don't think so. Were you checked out? They were like, here's what you owe. I don't think so. I don't know. But I mean, clearly they were getting away with something. I guess. I'm curious to know how that scam works because I uh, do not know of a way to get a free. Well, Dave, Ian and I were not alive back then. You tell us how hotels work. I, <laughs> was a very young man in the seventies, Mike. I was not renting hotel rooms. You were not in charge of renting the hotel. I rooms, was not, nor nor responsible for paying the tab. No, I was not. Just eating all that fucking you know cookie crisp or whatever your parents were giving you back then. <laughs> out of the mini bar, you going for that cookie That's crisp, right. fruity pebbles? Maybe seems like a good scam. I'm just curious how it worked. Can't do that these days. No, you got to book a room at the hotel and then they're like, oh, do you want to charge it to that one or not? I mean, either way, they got you by the fucking balls. Trust me, I have tried. Can't get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) The risk of not paying for hotel rooms led them to start camping. While camping, they read a lot of the King James version of the Bible and our favorite occultist that comes in in more episodes than not, Madame Blavatsky. This is where the belief system of Heaven's Gate started to be molded into place. And it started with the belief that Marshall and Bonnie were the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation. Of course they were. You know, we, you've mentioned theosophy a couple of times. That's the religion started by Madame Blavatsky's teachings. Yeah, that and that goes hand in hand with um, whenever we do the Nazi and the occult episode, whenever we finally get around to that. We have to do an episode on Madame Blavatsky to start that because she had the root races, you know, where the Atlanteans mm-hmm. with the yep. Latin. Yep. And I think it was her fifth root race was the Aryans, you know, and obviously we know who pulled. Uh, we know where that, that went. Yeah, <laughs> that went way off the rails. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In the book of Revelation, John was told that the court of God's temple has been given to the nations and the holy city would be trampled by the nations for 42 months. During that period, two witnesses 
would be granted authority to prophecy. They're described as two olive trees and sometimes two lampstands who stand before the Lord of the earth. Both are able to devour their enemies with fire that comes out of their mouths. And also they have the power over the sky and water and are able to hit the earth with a plague. After their testimony, the beast overcomes the two witnesses and killed them. For three and a half days, the people of earth celebrated the two witnesses death and would not permit the witnesses to be buried properly. After this time, God resurrected the two witnesses and their resurrection strikes fear in, in everyone witnessing their revival. And the two witnesses then ascended to heaven. In the next hour, a great earthquake occurred and killed 7,000 men, destroying a tenth of the city. Sounds like a future Bible Babble episode for sure. <laughs> Sounds like a really good time. I haven't studied Revelations in a long time. You should. It's I, the best book of the Bible. It is a lot of fun. The end of the world. I honestly do think it's the best book yeah, of the Bible. I mean, if you're going to read yeah. one book of the Bible. It's cool shit. <laughs> Revelation. I also like John from the Gospel. John. Yeah. It's a good one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. <laughs> Anyways, you, you know the rest. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. That jingle may be, may be coming soon to Bible Babble if Dave ever lets me record it, but he won't take me up on that offer. I might. Maybe. Maybe. Up, we talk up, up, if we up it to $11 for patrons, <laughs> they'll get that little jingle. We'll be talking about Palm Sunday this month, I think. I think that's a good one. Yeah. I had a couple of good topics. Mm. I have a question I want you to answer, Dave. Yes. I want to know why Lent is meatless. To be continued. We're going to be discussing that on Bible Babble this month as well. Good stuff. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. And also, I saw someone posted their request. They asked, how many communion wafers do you have to eat to make it add up to a whole Jesus? So I've done the mathematical computations, and we're going to talk about it on Bible Babble. Look at that. (laughs) Look at that. Absolutely. I have a question. Can you eat Jesus as I've been told they've been called? Jesus crackers are called Jesus. Can you dip them in salsa? I don't believe it changes the makeup of the Jesus. So, yes, I, okay. I, I think you can. All right. Just want to know. Or like a, a queso even, a fine queso. I don't see why not. A spice to it. Maybe we can ask Brother Francis, though. He, he seems to know. Oh! <laughs> yeah, so you can dip the Jesus in the salsa for sure. A hundred percent. You gotta dip it in my meat sauce. It's the best. <laughs> so, alright. So we agree. Jesus can be dipped. Absolutely. Why not? More on Babble Babble. With your pal, Dave. That's me. With the belief that they were the two witnesses, Marshall and Bonnie went back to Houston. When they arrived, they ended up getting a woman named Sharon Walsh to be the first one to follow them. They were friends with Sharon from before with the whole no place store, like teaching the mysticism and theosophy stuff. So Sharon was already into this kind of shit. And after six days of listening to Marshall and Bonnie's new message, she just straight up left her husband and children to go follow them. Amazing what people can be talked into. Yep. Six days listening to this nonsense. She's like, yeah, guys are right. I'm with you. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Sharon. (laughs) They traveled around for four months trying to gain more followers, but literally everyone shut them down. Then, after sitting down with her husband, Sharon started to come back to reality a bit and decided to come home and stop 
following Bonnie and Marshall. <laughs> mm. It's like, what's the matter with you? You're traveling the country. What are you doing? <laughs> I love how everyone's Italian in this story now. <laughs> what are you, a fucking idiot? <laughs> This whole story is now just an Italian story. <laughs> We're back in the city of Naples. Ian, continue. Sharon's husband still wasn't thrilled with Bonnie and, and Marshall Hapaway, obviously. So he pressed charges against them for credit card fraud because they had been using his gas card while they were traveling. Sharon eventually convinced him to drop the charges because she let them use the gas card. And she's like, well... Technically, it's our gas card, and I gave them permission. <sighs> Wives. It's like, it's like, are you going to do? <laughs> Dave's like, nope. Dave's like, nope. I'm not touching that one. <laughs> these charges revealed that during these travels, Marshall had rented a car in Missouri with an expired credit card, which technically was stealing the car. Marshall said that since he was one of the two witnesses, he had quote, divine authority to keep the car, and he would just pay them back at a later date. <laughs> there was spoiler alert, that, that explanation didn't work, and he was extradited to St. Louis, where he was required to serve six months in jail. Uh, separation of church and state, Marshall. Sorry, you can't keep the car. <laughs> right, uh, we're going to have a beer break real quick here. Whiskey, beer, tequila, more beer, more vodka. All right. Thank you, Stone Cold. Uh, we are full on our pints now. We're ready to go. And let the record show we're back on the keg train. We refilled our kegerator. We're good to go. Drinking that uh, champagne of beers. And yeah, we cheaped out and got the uh, Miller High Life. Well, we don't have enough patrons to afford Miller Light anymore. So, <laughs> you know, it'd be nice if we had more people sign up to support us so Dave and I and Ian can drink better beer, you know, every week. But that's okay. We'll make our sacrifices. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Necronoma. It was while in jail, Marshall had the awakening that he and Bonnie were actually aliens. Alien spirits that had, quote, walked into the bodies of Marshall and Bonnie. According to the belief system, an alien spirit had also walked into Jesus's body. <laughs> now that spirit was in Marshall. Where was the alien in the interim? Right. Uh, he was he was in the next. We'll we'll get into it. But hey, he Dave. was in the next oh, level. Hanging. Okay. Don't ask questions. You can't handle the answer. Well, to. I mean, we're talking two thousand <laughs> two thousand year interim period here. I was just wondering what this fuck was was doing that whole time. You can't handle it, Dave. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough, Mike. Regarding Bonnie, she was the spirit of an alien that was actually God. Everything in the Bible was accurate. It was just that people who wrote the Bible didn't have the vocabulary to explain aliens and UFOs. So that's where you get the angels and clouds taking people into the sky, things like that. They just didn't have the vocabulary to say uh, that's a UFO. Sure, that was a spaceship. Sure. They're going the ancient aliens route with the, with this stuff. Also, if you were wondering what happened to Marshall and Bonnie, because there was a Marshall Applewhite and there was a Bonnie Nettles, when the alien spirits took over their bodies, according to my email conversation with whoever runs the website now, the souls of Marshall and Bonnie were transferred to two newborn babies and continued their lives in that form. You know, could it also be said uh, uh, that we're giving, like, the first news on this, like, 
have other people come like this is stuff that Ian got through interviewing people on the website. We can cut this out if we need to. So are we giving information that people might not actually have confirmed before? Like this, this Uh, is maybe not breaking news, but like confirmed news from Heaven's Gate themselves. Right. I don't know that I could never figure out like what happened to Marshall and Bonnie when these alien spirits entered their body. Like what what happened to them before? So that's one of the questions I wanted to ask. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so they're. Their spirits, her soul, went to two newborn babies, and they were replaced by Jesus and God. Well, but it's okay. not really Je- it's not really Jesus and God because, also according to that email, all the stuff in the Bible they used it as like allegory to explain to us stupid people that you know that's uh, what we understand is uh, well they they underestimated us and didn't know we had bible babble with your pal they fucking a right an expert on all things biblical i agree with that sentiment mike thank you very much <laughs> my question however is what happened to the souls that already inhabited those newborn babies where did they go that, that- you got to stop. You're asking too many questions. Listen, pal. Now. Listen. <laughs> oh, oh. Listen, Pally. You're asking questions. You're about to get whacked. See, what What year? Oh, you're going to get whacked. What year did this take place? Because I'm thinking maybe I'm Marshall Applewhite. See this took here? place. This took place Dave, in 1973. You were, so you were born 40 years before this day. That's just you were 40 an offensive thing to say. <laughs> I was born in 1971, so I Ooh, thought I would wow. ask. Okay, maybe I was Marshall Applewhite. You were not. Can confirm. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> and also, I've seen the Kevin Smith movie Dogma, and I know goddamn well that Alanis Morissette is God and not Bonnie. Whatever. Nettles. I just want to put that Nettles. out there. Nettles. <laughs> Nettles. <laughs> While in jail, Marshall wrote a document titled Statement One. That would be a basic outline of initial beliefs and became their first recruitment tool. In part, it said, quote, There are two individuals here now who have also come from that next kingdom, incarnates as humans, awakened, and will soon demonstrate the same proof of overcoming death. They are sent from that kingdom by the Father to bear the same truth that was Jesus. This is like a repeat performance. This restatement or demonstration will happen within months. The two who are the actors in this theater are in the meantime doing all they can to relate this truth as accurately as possible so that when the bodies recover from their dead state and they leave on UFOs, those left behind will have clearly understood the formula. Yeah, I mean, those, those are words for sure. <laughs> yeah. They, I, they I, said those yeah, things. Yeah, that's a direct quote. So those were words that were stated. Sure. I mean, it sounds like what you might read in the Bible as well, right? <laughs> I mean, who's to say? Who's to say? Who are we to judge, Mike? Until we get on Hale Bob our, Comet. Surely our, not our drunk asses. Not, no. Until we jump aboard the Hale Bob Comet. Who are we to judge? I also read today, after I did this outline, I was reading some more after I sent it to you guys. Bonnie was visiting him a lot in jail during this period, and she was probably helping him more, like put together this belief system more than he was actually writing it himself. 
that's at least what I think. So I, I think at this point in the story, what you're saying is Bonnie was the more instrumental one in, in all of this. But I think because of events that happen later in the story, probably in part two, Marshall's the one that we're more familiar with as the leader. Yeah. It, like how this was set up, you know, we're going to start getting into them talking to people. Bonnie's the brains. Marshall is the charisma. Yeah. He was the talker. Bonnie just kind of stayed in the background and came up with all this stuff. The man with the plan, if you will. The woman with the plan. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But women always have the plan. They're always this the brains true. behind the operation. You can't deny it. It's undeniable. Other than Jonestown, and we saw what a man did. He fucking killed the monkey. So, <laughs> fuck him. That's why men should never be allowed to run things. Upon Marshall's release from jail, he and Bonnie reunited. And after saving up some money, they set out on the road again, calling themselves The Two. In March of 1975, Statement 1 was mailed out as a flyer to churches, New Age groups, and metaphysical stores countrywide, like stores that sell crystals and all that all that stuff. After reading it, a guy named Clarence Klug, who was a failed New Age metaphysical cult leader, he was trying to start a cult, but he he was not doing a great job of it. He invited them to speak before an awareness group that he was running in Los Angeles to explain statement one. At the Los Angeles meeting, Marshall and Bonnie were using the names Guinea and Pig to reflect their understanding that they were part of an experiment conducted by the next level. <laughs> I, I, I feel, know like, from the, the last I feel like the country was just awash in these fucking groups back in these days, right? Like metaphysical, just, like cult. Take, take your pick. Just, take your pick. Right. Like it's like it's like everywhere. It's Greek Week on a college campus. Exactly. Which one are you going to pledge? Right. Yeah. It is. It really is. Like Children of God started that same way out on, on, in Southern California. You got them on the beaches. With, you got Jonestown running hot still at this point. Like right? there's tons and, of them. Yeah. You know, Guinea and Pig. Who, who is Guinea? <laughs> who is Pig? Who are you going to be a pledge of? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's Pledge Week. Was Marshall Marshall's, Guinea? Yeah, Marshall's Guinea. So Bonnie was Pig. Yep. It's eh, a great name. Talking about the metaphysical thing, like there being so many of those groups, I feel like those type of places still today, like yoga places, metaphysical stores, at least I get the vibe when I go to those places that I'm like, am I talking to a potential cult leader right now? Or are you a failed cult leader? Yeah. What are you trying to put on me right now? Because there's one up the road here that I actually do like going to because I like buying crystals and stuff. Yeah, there's a couple ladies that run that that work there that I could see them being like a Sharon that takes off with Bonnie and, and Marshall <laughs> if it was back in this day. <laughs> so they said guinea and pig and they were they were an experiment being conducted by the next level. They explained that the next level was the same concept of Tila, which stands for the evolutionary level above human. So it's, it's all the same thing. In other words, like Rob Zombie would say, more human than human. <laughs> That's exactly Rob. Thank you. <laughs> the next level is a physical place. It's another planet in our universe where beings live in pure bliss and feed themselves by absorbing pure sunlight. At the next level, these alien beings do not have sex, 
eat or die. And they said that those were all the things that make us, quote, mammalian here on Earth. The two said that what the Bible calls God is actually a highly developed alien. So no eating and fucking. Sounds great. Like, is there whiskey or beer on this level? You have no, no, actually, it's no sex, no eating and no dying. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. No sex, no eating, no dying. If there's booze, sign me the fuck up right now. (laughs) Why not? Why not? No dying and booze. Yeah. Okay. But no fucking and eating. You can get it round bow. I mean, are you you're not gonna starve to death, right? I would imagine like based on this, you're you're like you're not hungry and you're you have no sexual appetite, correct? Because I mean you're not gonna starve to death. Is the sexual appetite gone or is there just no fucking? But that's the same with eating though. Is the hunger gone? Mm, I don't know, I don't know mind, Mike. I don't know. In my mind, you're not turned on and you're not hungry. Mm. But I could even, I mean, if you're turned on, uh, you go look at some Casey Anthony photos, take care of business, <laughs> come back, boom. You have your booze what? and you don't die. No. Well, one could infer that if you're no, 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 fucking, no. there's no j- masturbation either. That's Mike. not fucking. <laughs> you, you can't, you don't even have the option to do that in the next level because yeah. every, all these alien beings are genderless. You have no sex organs. No so, sex so organs, so you're, you're never hungry. You're never horny. Mm. Absolutely not. I don't know, man. That does not sound great. I'm going to decline the offer to go to the next level. I'm going to stay on this level right here. But that's me, Mike. You do what you want. I don't know. You want to jump on Hale-Bopp Comet in for, the I'll, year 4380 next time it's here? Go for it. All booze, no death? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I'm going to take fucking and eating, so I'm going to stay on this plane. Ian, please continue. They said to gain access to the next level, humans would have to shed every attachment to Earth. This meant members had to give up all human-like characteristics, such as their family, friends, sexuality, individuality, jobs, money, and possessions. No fucking way, Mike. Literally everything that you've no ever way. had. Come on. Life. Dave, you're cared for, and all you get to do is drink all day, and you never die. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Jim Jones never offered me this. It's <laughs> true. More of that on Promise Land, available every Tuesday on all of your podcast platforms. Sometimes Wednesdays. It happens. (laughs) The two said that evil space aliens called Luciferians falsely represented themselves to Earthlings as God and plotted to keep humans from developing. Technically, being advanced humanoids, these aliens have spacecraft, space time travel, telepathy and increased lives like they live a lot longer well like if i they play use- galaga i get an increased life i get like get ten thousand points i get a new life that's special <laughs> dave eating and sex is gonna cause a tragic end to your life is that right as opposed to just me who's just drinking he's drinking in infinity up there okay i mean Fair come enough. on it, it's an obvious answer what you would choose mm-hmm. i'm still not convinced well all right well I'll pour one out for you at your funeral. (laughs) They use holograms to fake miracles, have gender, and stop training to achieve the kingdom of God thousands of years ago. So they stopped trying to get to the next level. They also believe that all existing religions on Earth have been corrupted by these aliens known as Luciferians. They also dumb this down a bit and pretty much say that everybody's a Luciferian. 
that's trying to get you to stay connected to Earth and your Earth-like characteristics. In statement one, they were talking about a demonstration in that quote you read, Mike. They ended up saying that this demonstration would provide absolute proof of aliens, and these aliens would take whoever was ready to the next level. I'm ready for it. Let's see it. I want to see proof positive. Show me the aliens. (laughs) I want the aliens. (laughs) Y'all want aliens? Yeah. Yeah. No, we're just making fun of it. What is it? Alabama with the leprechaun? Yeah. <laughs> See, this is Yo, a on leprechaun. Yeah. Ian, what's that guy say? See, this was a uh, something that's been passed down from generation to generation in my family. <laughs> for yeah, thousands it's, of it's years. Flute. <laughs> it's blue. It's <laughs> Still, the reigning defending champion of YouTube videos. That is the greatest. It will never YouTube be surpassed ever. Probably a crackhead got a hold of the wrong stuff. (laughs) So four things here with the stuff we just went through. First, they weren't aggressive with the Luciferian thing. Like Typically, cults are really aggressive in saying, if you don't join us, you're not going to survive in life. And Marshall and Bonnie were basically like, eh, you're lost. If you don't come with us, we don't really care. They, they, They didn't use any scare tactics. Reverse psychology. Like, fine, you you don't believe? You're not going to the next level. We are, though. Second, you shed all your human attachments to enter the next level. You would become this perfect alien being that we talked about. The way that they portrayed this was an alien that basically looked like a more attractive version of the standard gray and had no gender. You know what this conjures in my mind is Marilyn Manson on the cover of Mechanical Animals. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> right. Without the without the, without uh, the red hair. Yeah, without the breasts. Yeah, right. Because there's none of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. But just that androgynous kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought of that. But. It's the two taught that this would be a physical changing, like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. This was your body was actually going to physically change. And this example was used in almost all of their early literature. They emphasized to the early followers that they were not speaking metaphorically. And they used a lot of words like biology and chemistry in these statements. They also attempted to avoid the term religion as they saw it as being inferior to science, which I can get on board with that. Mm -hmm. Third, the, these core beliefs are going to shift a bit over the year, but this is the general system and we'll continue. We'll cover all the further publications they do and changes to the beliefs as well as name changes. But as of right now, they were known as him, which stood for human individual metamorphosis. Clever. And the fourth point that I had on this outline, we already talked about it a little while ago. Marshall was the charismatic one, and Bonnie was the brains behind everything regarding these beliefs. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. That's, you know, that's standard, I think, with some organizations. It's the behind-the-scenes brains and the upfront charismatic spokesperson. It's not unusual. It's interesting in the world of cults. I can't that, really that's, think that's of... That's true, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's more like a tag the, team situation here. Yeah, I can't think of one off the top of my head that... That worked like these two did. Jim Jones and Mr. Muggs, obviously. <laughs> it's like, bitch, run my fuck schedule. 
So after the meeting, the two invited those attending to come to Gold Beach, Oregon to hear more. A bunch of people showed up and 24 people joined. Some of those 24 would stay till the end in 1997. As this was a success, they now considered themselves the shepherds from the Bible and called themselves Bo and Peep because they had a flock of followers now. It's very clever. Very clever indeed. After the success of their first meeting, they held another one in Wildport, Oregon on September 14th, 1975. This meeting was another success and they got another group of about 20 or so people to join them. After selling all their possessions and saying goodbye to loved ones, the group pretty much just vanished. That night on the CBS Evening News, Walter Cronkite reported that the group had disappeared in one of the first national reports on the group. And he said, quote, a score of persons have disappeared. It's a mystery whether they've been taken on a so-called trip to eternity or simply been taken. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> or simply been taken. This negative media coverage scared Marshall and Bonnie, and they quickly got out of Oregon, moving on for other meetings in Denver, Chicago, and Tulsa. Overall, they held about 130 meetings through this time period using the following flyer. So I'm going to read this just as it is written. UFOs, why they are here, who they have come for, when they will leave. Not a discussion of UFO sightings or phenomena. Two individuals say they were sent from the level above human and are about to leave the human level and literally physically return to the next evolutionary level in a spacecraft within months. The two will discuss how the transition from the human level to the next level is accomplished and when this may be done. This is not a religious or philosophical organization recruiting membership. However, the information has already prompted many individuals to devote their total energy to the transitional process. If you have ever entertained the idea that there may be a real physical level beyond the Earth's confines, you will want to attend this meeting. I feel like Ian would be susceptible to a cult like this. I mean, I probably would have checked it out if I saw that fly back in the day. <laughs> like, oh, UFOs. Hmm, what do we got here? Hmm, let me see. They got a bagel spread going on? Because if they got a bagel spread, I'm going to be there. <laughs> like, I want to go up to the mothership. Later in 1975, the two decided that the group should be divided into two-person groups and travel around the country spreading the message. Each member was assigned a partner of the opposite sex, but no physical relationship was permitted. To get in contact with Bo and Peep, they were instructed to write a P.O. box in Gulfport, Missouri, and other P.O. boxes in various locations. So these guys might have come to your door. Todd, do you have a minute to talk about the uh, eventual <laughs> uh, jump onto Hale Bob comment? Dave's like, of course I do. Come on yeah, in. Come on in. Can I record you for my podcast called Bible Babble? <laughs> Let's do some shots. Let's see where it goes. It's it's unclear if they were ever in Gulfport or any of the locations where these P.O. boxes were or if they just hit these spots up every once in a while or, or what they were up to because they were just traveling around. And Bo and Pete, they would just randomly show up places and it would be hit or miss as to how many members would show up if they even found out about it. 
it's just because people didn't know where they were in the country. And there were other times that there would be rumors going through the group, through these PO boxes, that Bo and Peep would be at a certain location and then never show up because it wasn't true. At this time, the group had around 200 members, but with no structure and no leaders to really follow, the group dwindled down to about 100 people. Like, you, you send two people out in the world to go tra- to travel and spread the message of this. And after a while, they're like, eh, fuck this. Let's yeah, go right. do something else. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> Realizing the mistake they made with this approach, this made Bo and Peep start holding public recruitment meetings again to grow their membership. This was also at a time where cults were getting a lot of national attention. Family members concerned for their loved ones created the Concerned Relatives Group in response to Jim Jones in the People's Temple. And there were a lot of family members concerned with their loved ones that joined Bo and Peep and just gave up everything and took off. There was a small section of the media trying to find out more about them. And this caused them to have extreme paranoia. And they started to tell their followers that they would eventually be assassinated. Going back to the two witnesses and revelations, they predicted that their deaths would be similar. This is a brother Francis. I believe that you will be a murdered by a pizza pie falling from a three-story <laughs> building. Ow! It hit me! Ow! My shit is everywhere! <laughs> well, I mean, it's because the sauce gets in their eyes and they walk out in front of traffic and you get hit by a car. I mean, obviously the pizza's not going to kill them. No. That's the sauce. Yeah, for sure. Plus the acidity you know, yeah. in your eyes. You can't Come see on. anything. You can't fight that. Hey, taxi cab runs you over. Boom. The Pope-mobile hits you, I think, in Italy. <laughs> there, the Pope-mobile. Now, they don't stop for, for you. Of course Fucking not. plebeian. <laughs> yeah, important to the Pope. This next round of meetings were largely a failure. There were a lot of meetings where there was some intense heckling going on. Like basically, yeah. Okay, you two assholes are the the alien second coming. You know, you're like Bo Peep, like, like Marco Polo. Bo Peep. When Bo, I say Bo, you, you say, say Peep. Bo Peep. Bo Peep. <laughs> you would have thought we would have planned that. We did not. <laughs> That's a gift from God. God is good. God is great. Sometimes you just need to let go and let go. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> There's some video from from these uh, some of their meetings where they get heckled and it's pretty brutal. Heckling uh, people good just, stuff, man. I, I want people. To, I'm gonna go on record. I want some questioning them. I want some Bo Peep shirts now. When I say Bo on the back, you say Peep. <laughs> Amazon.com/slash Necronomapod or search Necronomapod for our T-shirts. After one particularly heckle-heavy meeting on April 21st, 1976, Peep, being Bonnie, she just straight up stood up in the middle of it and announced that she said, quote, the harvest is closed, meaning that the members they had were the only ones that were eligible to get to the next level. Everybody else can fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. (laughs) It's like, look, fuck you guys. I'm going home. (laughs) <laughs> like La Costa Nostra, the books are closed. No more made members. You're not getting in. You're done. Yeah, except theirs was because of heckling. <laughs> well, yeah. Fuck you guys. Books are closed. <laughs> <laughs> 
They then took their group of followers on a nomadic journey through the U.S., eventually settling for a period of time camping in Medicine Bow National Forest in Wyoming. This would be the start of a period of seclusion that lasted for 12 years, and that is where we will pick back up on part two. I would just like to go on record and say that Wyoming is the most beautiful state I have ever visited. Okay. That's a... it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous state. Have you you've been there? No? I've not been to Wyoming. No. I think Wyoming is the most beautiful state in the United States. Okay. Of and I've been to many, not all of them, but I've been to many. I think Wyoming is gorgeous. Duly noted. The end of my statement. <laughs> so they lived twelve years, maybe out in the wilderness, just camping, like you and Ian would probably like that. Like just living off the earth. Under the stars for 12 Look, in all fairness, Ian and I years? would be the ones still running their website because we would not be dead <laughs> if you put us in the wilderness. We would survive <laughs> and we would live well, on and, you know, we live yeah, off the earth. Fair enough. Ian and I could live off the earth. No problem. <laughs> There's a lot of camping going on for sure. But when I when when I say seclusion, um, they just kind of di- they disappeared for 12 years. No one in the public eye mm. saw them or heard anything from them for 12 years after this whole, this heckling incident in 76. <laughs> the only, <laughs> the only awkward part of the whole entire thing is when Ian and I both walked out of our tents, both wearing the same Shawn Michaels uh, trunk uh, pajama pants. <laughs> that's the only awkward that's pretty, moment. That's pretty awkward. <laughs> and we were just like, well, one of us has to change. And then we just both like super kicked each other and then that was it. <laughs> and then you go night night because you just got kicked on the chin. That was it. No other issues. You know. Smooth sailing. It is what it is. Smooth sailing. I, I guess I would say we went a lot more in depth with Heaven's Gate than we did two years ago. And uh, I find it fascinating. Well, this outline was as long as our whole first outline. Yeah. So. Now. There you go. There's that. Cults are fun to. and uh, They're one of my favorite things to, to talk about. So. Because it's really hard to put yourself in the position. Yep. These people would listen to these fucking goofballs. They're like, oh, yeah, let me sell all my shit and go with you guys and live in Wyoming out in the open for 12 years. Yes, I agree with you. But these are also real people that are doing it, which is fascinating to me. They're yeah, being, for sure. They're being, you know, tricked into following these people. And that's, you know, and Ian has even said, like, in past episodes, like, at a time, he might have, you know, followed one of these people. You can cut that out if you need to. I, I don't. I think no, that, I think that time is now. I think he's still susceptible. I think. If, uh, well, no, 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 no. Hold on, Pally. No, at this point, we're, <laughs> we are recruiting for our Necronomical. They're listening every day to Ian's beautiful potato voice and that velvety, <laughs> cheesy potato soup voice that just, you know, ooze into their soul. And then we have them follow us. Okay. Next thing you know, they're patrons. They're buying shirts. Maybe a thong coming every now and then that says, you know, I listen to Necronomapod. The only thing I got was Mike up my ass and it says on the, on the back <laughs> on the thong. I don't know. I'm spitballing. I'm, I'm just, we're brainstorming here. We're brainstorming. <laughs> Well, the thing with this group is that, you know, like all cults, every cult is consisted of people that are successful, some that aren't, some that are highly educated, some that are middle of the road. There, a little bit of everybody is in every cult. These people that this cult appealed, that Heaven's Gate appealed to were people that just did not fit into society at all. Mm. A lot of people 
that the whole like hippie movement, the free love movement, yeah, was not kind to these to these people. That whole is it because they were kind of thing. Is it because they were re- religiously affiliated? Like the the free love people rejected them. I mean, to not being mean to people from Heaven's Gate or anything, but they were a lot of them were very antisocial nerds for the okay. most part. Just did not fit into society. They, they weren't into and, partying. They would. They just really didn't fit into the counterculture, yeah. right? Of that time. That makes sense. Sure. And they when were you the counterculture have... of the counterculture. <laughs> yeah, right. That's why I, I mean that for real. Like you said, if I saw that back in seventy, whatever that was, seventy five, that flyer, I'd been like, I, you know, I'll check it out. But if I was really extremely uh, not happy with my life, with society right i just felt like i didn't fit in and then there's talking about something that resonates with me ufos and then like yeah you know what you don't have to be a part of this you can get get fucking rid of all of it and we can go hop on a ufo i don't know somebody in that state that's really so disconnected with society might go for it i get it makes sense so try to wrap it up tomorrow in part two you know or next week with a part two Mike says it's going to be three parts. We'll see. I think it's going to be three parts. Come on. <laughs> that was my prediction. Seriously. We'll Come see. on, man. Uh, yeah. I, I did predict that. We'll see. I did some I did some heavy digging, and I found a really shady uh, Google Drive link that I just took a chance and downloaded it. Um, it had the uh, it had an archive of their 1995 post on Usenet that when they tried to recruit. Um, and it's very long, so I want to dig into that. So, yeah, it might be three parts. God <laughs> we'll damn. <see. laughs> God damn. All right. Well, we kind of wrapped it all up just there as it is. Ian, you got anything else to add to part one? I know you gave us a teaser of what's to come. Anything else uh, you want to close this chapter with? A lot of interesting stuff coming up on part two that I didn't didn't know about. One interesting fact involving one of my favorite guys from... The UFO world, Jacques Vallée. I'm glad we got, we're redoing it. Didn't Philip Class kick Jacques Vallée's ass one time? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm, did not happen. Dave, you got anything else on part one of Heaven's Gate? No. I will reserve judgment for next week. Or the week after, because we know Ian's taking this three parts. That's what I meant. It's a three-parter for sure. I mean, honestly, come on. Come on, Ian. We don't fucking three parts. Well, you know what? He might have got his shit in if we weren't fucking whiskey drunk tonight, interrupting him every fucking fourth (laughs) sentence. In all fairness to Ian, he had a very thorough outline the night, and then we fucking hijacked the shit out of it and ruined it. Uh, I got nothing else either, obviously. What do I have to add to anything? Got some uh, patron shout outs for this week. Want to say a special thanks to Marissa Flores, Victoria DiManda, Brian Coppold, Gina Mancini, Laura, Molly, Tasha Hogarty, Tommy Kent, Brendan Hurlbert, Taylor Frian, Harris Shaw, Ibris29, Alma Flores, Mary Rowe, B. Ruff, Ian's taint. Claudia. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> he loves your taint, I guess. He claimed it. Claudia, Gina Runyons, Tyler Davis, Justin Van Cleve, 
Sage 56, Riley Popowell, Rachel Pop, Lucy Harrison, Melania, Adam Gerard, Brennan Johnson, Erica Paza, and Michelle Fowler. Thank you very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got for us? Uh, first, I want to give a shout out to Amanda Adams for my, I guess you would call it a metal sign of a raccoon holding a, a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's your spirit animal. <laughs> yeah. right. I got it. I got it up next to my Bat Boy poster here. Um, so, yeah, thank you. I got a good laugh out of it. And for iTunes, I have one for ADSM1023, BNC620, Test Tickle, Acid Anthrus, Not Casey Anthony, Darkest Barnett, and I'm Valentine. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Special shout out to uh, Test Tickle. <laughs> Test Tickle. Fantastic name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got it. I didn't get it I at love first. Her, <laughs> I love her work, Test Tickle. <laughs> Dave, you got anything for us? Um, oh, I'm sorry, Ian. Go ahead. And I just wanted to give everybody a shout out that uh, a thank you that has given Promised Land a bunch of good reviews. I have not gotten a one star yet. So Damn. That's nice. well, wait till I sign up. Oh my god! Yeah. Apple. I submitted like five one-star reviews. What are you talking about? It's not working. Apparently. Bring that shit down. If it goes huge, and we're fucking going solo, and then what, what the fuck are Dave and I supposed to do? We can do this shit by ourselves. Come on. Yeah, Promised Land every uh, Tuesday, into Wednesday maybe. Yeah, but you get it once it a week. Depends. It's there. Uh, free on all podcast platforms, so check it out, Promise Land. Dave does his Bible babble for the $10 tier patrons, available at patreon.com slash necronomapod. We also have all of our merchandise available at amazon.com. Search necronomapod. We got all kinds of fun shit there. Currently, I think it's only available in the U.S. because of shipping issues. Um, we're going to see how that plays out, uh, but... Apologies to anyone not in the U.S. who's trying to get our merchandise. We appreciate your support. But Sorry if you're not blessed by nationality. Goddamn. Um, <laughs> and we are on the socials at... Uh, did I did I throw to you, Dave, with your... I have nothing. I have no bad review corners okay. tonight because every review has been awesome. All right. And I am very intoxicated. <laughs> I'm talking slowly and I'm slurring and that's okay because I've been drinking heavily. It's very late at night and uh, that and happens. And that's the way God intends it to be. That's the way God intended it to be. Let go and let God. That's what I live by, Mike. We are on social medias at Necronomapod, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at Necronomapod, Amazon.com, search Necronomapod, and Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week for part two of Heaven's Gate. All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.